0: Welcome to Neil and Matt vs. the Paranormal, a podcast in which two people of questionable talent and dubious virtue discuss a tale from paranormal history. Follow us on iTunes and Stitcher, and if you're so inclined, leave us a review. In any case, on with the show. Welcome back, listeners, uh, to Neil and Matt versus the Paranormal after a slightly extended festive break. Uh, I'm back onto slightly more familiar territory after our jaunt into the world of popular music with the KLF. So, with no further ado, and uh, happy to report, my host. He's in the middle of eating croissants. I won't say anything. <laughs> oh, man. Happy New Year! Ah, oh, that's very sweet. Mm. So straight into it, our new tale of the paranormal. Twenty first of December, nineteen sixty nine. David Farrant, not the New Zealand cricketer, but rather a British occultist whose date of birth remains elusive, but possibly somewhere around nineteen forty six. B.C. <laughs> A.D. Oh, okay. Spent the night exploring Highgate Cemetery. Farrant had founded the British Psychic and Occult Society in 1967, a small group of like-minded individuals that investigated paranormal phenomena. So a much smaller version of the SPR, or one of those uh, similar organisations uh, that employed our old friend Harry Price. He was well-known locally and had gained the nickname Birdman, due to his habit of walking around with his pet macaw on his shoulder. Not Ghostbuster or... <laughs> loopy Man. but, but Ghost Hunter. But Birdman. Birdman. Mm. Okay. He had studied magic, the old religions, Wicca, and progressed to third-degree initiation, forming his own coven, prior to becoming the founder-president of the BPOS. Wicca?
1: What do you mean Wicca? Wicca.
0: So that's modern Wicca? witchcraft. See, so I'll have sort of a pagan... I thought you meant like as in basket weaving and... Uh, I suspect Wicca. a lot of people that are into Wicca are also oh, into starving. Wicca. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Farrant was conducting his visit to Highgate Cemetery in response to reports of an unexplained entity in the
1: cemetery. I was a drunk bloke. A drunk homeless bloke. That's what it was. Unexplained entity. Yeah. I've been called an unexplained entity. Well, no, you are. Yeah. You're, you're inexplicable. That's a different, but anyway.
0: During his vigil, David saw what he described as a tall, dark shape hovering above the ground.
1: Yeah, a drunk bloke.
0: <laughs> hovering? standing on something. Yes. Okay, go on, yeah. Hovering. Maybe David was drunk as well. Well, there is distinct possibility. Uh, sorry, that's not to suggest that David Ferrant is in any way... Oh, no, by the way, is, is this guy is still alive? Yeah, he... Unf- uh, okay, so this is libelous. Okay. <laughs> not only that, I was about to say unfortunately he is, which sounds terrible, <laughs> because yeah. I meant unfortunately in the sense that we can't get away with terrible
1: uh, misapprehensions and truths. Well, you know, I'm very sorry for what I just said, and if I'm not, then my name isn't David Smith. <laughs>
0: He initially thought it was a prankster, but when he examined the figure, he saw it had no features, save two orange circles of light located somewhere within where its face should have been. So it's a cat. <laughs> or an owl.
1: Or an owl, maybe. They, sort of... hover, they hover above the ground. Mm-hmm. And they can look quite big if they're close to you, and smaller if they're further away. Indeed. But don't hover, do they? Because only hummingbirds can hover. Oh. If it's flying towards you, straight towards you, it might look like it's hovering. That's a good point. Thank you. You're very good at this perspective. Oh, I know, it's too. amazing. Though.
0: He then felt that he was under psychic attack, only escaping after inwardly reciting a cabalistic incantation, which caused the entity to disappear. Did the incantation go like the lines of Oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. <laughs> I believe that is an old cabalistic. What uh, yeah. <laughs> He wrote into the Hampstead and Highgate Express to ask if any of its readers had witnessed anything supernatural around Highgate Cemetery. The letter received several replies, also printed in the newspaper, with several different ghosts, ghouls, and goblins reported, with no account matching another and none matching his. And one of
1: them was this, this beast with two backs, <laughs> two heads, and four legs. And it was heard to be moaning, Ooh, Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> Is
0: that it? Are you making some veiled admission to. No, I've never night? been
1: at Highgate Cemetery with anybody called Tracy. I'm just saying that strange things happen in cemeteries. And that's not, they're not all to do with the panel. But the, okay so if you were going to investigate this it's odd that then all different accounts you know normally if you're looking for evidence or something you want some of the accounts to overlap or yes there is a lot of uh, variety
0: here in the ghouls that have been reported which could suggest that or bollocks none of them are true yes mm-hmm. quite spectres included a man in a hat
1: <laughs> oh okay we'll come back to the man in the hat sorry go on
0: okay a spectral cyclist, a woman in white, a face glaring through the bars of a gate, a figure wading into a pond, a pale gliding form, and bells ringing and voices calling.
1: Bells ringing in the churchyard. Maybe the church bells. Well, it's a cemetery. I'm not even sure there's a church okay, attached to it. A face through the railings. Mm. So a person through <laughs> the of railings, okay. glaring at you, glaring, yeah. mm. wondering what you're doing in the graveyard at night. <laughs> where Tracy's gone to. Yeah, I think, we, yeah, I think we've think we got a good idea of what you get into. Yeah, there's yeah. your in not not uh Man in a hat. Mm. So, I am quite cynical about all this malarkey. Go on. <laughs> We'd never have guessed. No, you wouldn't have guessed.
0: However, are you going to relay to me your own personal experience of the paranormal? I am going to relay to you my oh own my goodness. personal experience of the paranormal. Go ahead.
1: Uh, so, uh, a long time ago, in a place far, far away, in a property that... I now know or I think I knew then, I'm not sure that somebody did hang himself. Okay. Um I did uh see something. It appeared to be a bloke in a hat. And where was this? I'm not gonna name names, but it's a <laughs> it's a town and it's not this town, it's a different town in the UK. Um and uh yeah, there
0: So you were in a house where yes. someone at one time had hung themselves. About,
1: actually, about the time that we're talking about the 60s, 70s, yeah.
0: And you saw a man in a hat?
1: Well, yes. You
0: looked as if you were about to say something else.
1: But uh, I would say spectral uh, bloke. Oh. In a so so he was nobody, there, was, there was nobody else in the house. It should have just been me. And I put it down to uh, alcohol, stress, and maybe, maybe being a bit sleepy. Well, he was alcoholic, and yeah, he was an an sleeping. No, I was, I was m- maybe had yeah. had a few drinks, and he was uh, probably a bit. No, he wasn't. No, he would have been dead. I had the, <laughs> had a few drinks, a bit <laughs> sleepy. So, uh, I obviously never. Have saw you him ever again. seen this man in the hat again? No. Mm-hmm. I've seen the cat in the hat? Yes. Yes, which is quite. Good. Which would you prefer to have seen? Oh, cat in the hat. I think. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we, we digressed digress. into, into something, but um, yeah, bloke in a hat in a the cemetery. Uh, there we go. That's not not amazing, but yeah.
0: Essentially, you've seen exactly the same spectre as someone who's written as the Hampstead and High Express has yes, seen.
1: but they're wrong, because they believe it. And I, just think it's, <laughs> I just think it's one of those weird things where your mind
0: plays tricks And Well, this is where some other witnesses to the behaviour come in. On the 27th of February 1970, the other figure in our tale, Sean Manchester, who operated the British Occult Society, it's an entirely different organisation to the British Psychic and Occult Society, had an article published in response to all of this. On the front page of the Hampstead and Highgate Express, under the title "Does a Vampire Walk in Highgate?", Manchester was quoted as believing the entity was no mere ghost. <clears throat> the phenomenon reported by the Highgate people in letters to the Ham and High is not merely the apparition of an earthbound spirit, which is relatively harmless, but much worse—that of a vampire, or, as it is more popularly known, a vampire. Vampire being what? Spelt vampire. Uh, so Vampyr is W A M P Y R. So I've probably hashed the pronunciation. Did but you I'd... also
1: hash the pronunciation of Mr Manchester's first name? What, Sean? You called him shawn shawn Sean. Listen back to this i think you called him either shawn or well, Sean.
0: Interestingly, although it's spelt S-E-A-N as Sean is, it does yeah. have an accent over the A, I think. But oh, I've no idea how you... I presume it's some old
1: Irish way of spelling it. Sean. And is Mr Manchester still with us? he is okay, so and he's very what I say as well. He's very active online if you say something Disfavourable about Good, him I won't say anything then. But Excellent. um you might later. I might later. <laughs> no, don't get me trouble again. <laughs> so, um the British occult which society is he?
0: So he's the British occult society whereas oh. David Farrant who uh, initiated all of this was the yeah. British psychic and occult society. Completely unrelated to the Society for Psychical Research or the Ghost Club
1: or any of the other organisations we've mentioned previously. So if you were thinking of um, a certain Multi Python film <laughs> where you've got people's Judean people's front Judea, and the yeah. people's front of Judea and I'm not saying it's like that, it's just there was some similarities. I think there's that rivalry in the same way. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Manchester was quoted as saying the entity was a king vampire of the undead, a medieval nobleman who had practiced black magic in medieval Romania. Oh. We would if it was a medieval nobleman. It's a bit, of a bit of a tautology, apologies. This Nosferatu had been transported to England in the early 18th century by followers and was housed in Ashurst House before he was then buried in Highgate Cemetery.
1: Was, was he dead when they buried him? I
0: hope so. Okay. Or undead. Manchester later identified a specific historical figure, Tamlus Orzag of Hungary. Manchester blamed the vampire's re emergence on Satanists. The only thing to do, he said, was to stake the vampire's body and then behead and burn it. Fair enough. (laughs) Reasonable? Reasonable, yeah. yeah, yeah. If this all sounds rather like a prominent tale of vampirism, the single most well known, adapted, disseminated, discussed, and analysed tale of vampirism, you might be right. The next week, on the 6th of March, the paper reported David Farrant as saying he had seen dead foxes in the cemetery.
1: On the way in just now, did you see a dead fox by the side of our road? I
0: did. See, that could be vampires. I should also bring this up, in our last episode we were talking about magical thinking, this is an example of that very thing, but we also spoke about discordianism, and on the way home, last time, having spent the whole afternoon talking about discordianism and all that sort of stuff, a big yellow lorry with the words discordia printed on the side of it, drove past me on the road, which I excitedly texted you about. You did, and what did I do? You laughed at me and said, that's a very well-known
1: Bulgarian firm. Yes, I Googled um, it, and it's a huge logistics company. <laughs> but so the chance of it, the chance of it um, yeah, You've probably seen that. Driven past it lots. Hmm. Those trucks aren't here. Yeah. But, you know, it's still quite good. Thanks. Uh, it's made the goose sound of my arms. Has it? No, but I just oh. thought for effect I'd tell people that. <laughs> you've ruined it now. Anyway. Anyway, sorry, yeah, it's very impressive. Sorry, go on. Back to the foxes. Yes.
0: So dead a newspaper foxes. quote, indeed, the dead foxes. Not only that, the mysteriously dead foxes. As the newspaper quoted, the mysterious death of foxes in Highgate Cemetery was this week linked with a theory that a ghost seen in the area might be a vampire. Tobacconist, Mr. David Farrant, 24, who reported seeing the ghost, as he had previously described the phenomenon last month, returned to the spot last weekend and discovered a dead fox. Several other foxes have also been found in the cemetery, he said at his home in Priestwood Mansions, Archway Road, Highgate. Whilst holding an air rifle. (laughs) The odd thing is there's no outward sign as to how they died. Much remains unexplained. But what I've recently learnt all points to the vampire theory being the most likely answer.
1: Okay, so let's go with the whole let's roll with the vampire. I mean, ignoring road deaths, uh, kids with air guns, or literally other foxes, any other or old reason. age or anything else. Let's go with the whole vampire theory. Would there not be some outward signs like I don't know, huge teeth marks in the neck?
0: <laughs> Should this be so, I for one am prepared to pursue it. Taking whatever means necessary so that we can all rest. I think assuming on the part of everyone's terrified
1: of the, as we stated, probably perfectly explicable dead okay. foxes. So what's more, what if you lived in Highgate, would you be more worried about the possibility of vampires? Or about the thought that there are people walking around the cemetery late at night thinking that there are vampires? Which would scare you <laughs> most?
0: I think you'll find out how disruptive either one of those okay. could be in just a moment. Yep. Naturally, all of this resulted in considerable publicity. Oh, oh, before we go on, I'd also like to point out the fact that our occultist, Mr. David Farron, yeah. is described in the article in the much more accurate terms of tobacconist.
1: <laughs> well, you know, uh, all tobacconists need a hobby, don't? They? I, I investigate ghosts and uh, sell fangs. So I used to think that a tobacconist was somebody that went downhill on a, a sledge. <laughs> no, that's, uh, that's a uh, sleddest. Oh well, no, sorry. <laughs> I... <laughs> um, what was the other thing I was going to ask about? This guy. Oh yeah, sorry. The newspaper, mm. Highgate and uh, uh, Highgate and Ham Express, whatever it's called. Like, right. have you checked Highgate and Hampstead Express? of course. Highgate and Hampstead Express. Yeah, course, and Hampstead is that still in business? Was that gone bust?
0: I think it is. I, I lived near uh, Hampstead about ten years ago, man. and I'm oh, pretty I was sure. i not that was still anybody there. or anything in this conversation.
1: No. It's fine, and outstanding paper, but generally local newspapers. There's a theory that they are a bit short of news sometimes, aren't they? I think this would be a fine way of
0: uh, yeah. signalling the silly okay. season. One might say. Okay. Bad point. Cool. Naturally, all of this resulted in considerable publicity. Manchester announced he would hold an official vampire hunt on the thirteenth of March. Friday, the thirteenth of March. Brilliant. ITV covered the scene. You're joking me. No, I'm really not. Okay. Accompanying it with interviews with Farrant, Manchester and others who claim to have seen the entity. Manchester produced a crucifix and stake from his trousers. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Six out. eight out. On television. Rare, medium well
0: done. Is that a crucifix in your pocket? Are you just pleased to see me? Manchester produced a crucifix and stake from his trousers and declared the only sure way to destroy a vampire was to drive a wooden stake through its heart with one blow, cut off its head with a gravedigger's shovel, and then burn the remains. Within two hours, a host of enthusiastic vampire hunters had turned up, only to be turned back by considerable police presence. No
1: way! (laughs)
0: Really? The Met spent resources on... (laughs) Deterring... Amateur wow, vampire hunters. Fantastic. All the supposed vampire hunt resulted in was damage to the cemetery itself. Oh dear. In fact, vandalism seems to have been the real threat to Highgate Cemetery. At this time, it was not regularly maintained and was in a state of disrepair. There may have been also other vampire-flavoured desecrations going on in London's graveyards. According to Gareth Medway's book, Lure of the Sinister, The Unnatural History of Satanism, On the night of Halloween 1968, a graveyard desecration by persons unknown occurred at Tottenham Park Cemetery in London. These persons arranged flowers taken from graves in circular patterns with arrows of blooms pointing to a new grave which was uncovered. A coffin was opened and the body inside disturbed, but their most macabre-backed was driving an iron stake in the form of a cross through the lid and into the breast of the corpse. So there's some other funny business going on.
1: That's not funny, that's, that's just wrong. That's just interfering with a corpse. That's illegal. And one of your other hobbies. Isn't it? <laughs> one of my many. Interfit yeah. um, that is, that should be a crime. Uh, it, it, it is. It is crime, is it? Yeah, uh, I suspect. No, it is, it is, definitely. Got be, that's got to be a, mm. Yeah, weird. It's certainly a very grave matter.
0: Ah, oh, very good. Thank you. Something of a rivalry <laughs> began to grow up between Farrant and Manchester. Both conducted independent attempts to deal with the Highgate vampire. Farrant had himself photographed skulking around the cemetery with crucifix and stake in hand. In his book on the case, published in 1985, Manchester claimed that he encountered the vampire in August of 1970. According to the book, he had been investigating the case of a teenager named Elizabeth who had complained of anemia, discovering that a vampire was the cause and managing to repel it with garlic oh, wait, and other... Tri-
1: uh, a teenager with anemia? Yeah. A, well, what a, other a vampire's cause? I don't know, I'm just going to throw this out here, but maybe puberty, menstrual cycles, lack of iron levels. Now, I'm not a GP, but I think it's perfectly
0: reasonable to assume a vampire might be the cause of that problem.
1: <laughs> okay, go on.
0: Discovering it was a vampire and managing to repel it with garlic and other traditional methods, Manchester tracked the vampire as it moved on to a young girl named Louisa. Eventually Manchester and his compatriots entered Highgate Cemetery and were led to the vampire's home by a sleepwalking Louisa. They managed to scale down into the tomb via a hole in its roof and found three empty coffins around which they sprinkled holy water and garlic. They returned the next day encountering the vampire itself. And this is a quote from the book. The appearance is one of a heavy form, gorged and stinking with blood with eyes glazed and staring horribly, glinting with the red fire of perdition. This great leech possessed sallow, parchment-like skin, beneath which a faint bluish tinge could be discerned. The colour of a three-day-old corpse. It had black hair and eyebrows that were especially heavy, and joined across the bridge of an aquiline nose. The mouth betrayed thin, cruel lips which drew back, almost in a snarl, to reveal sharp teeth, where-lodged congealed gouts of discolouring blood, the offal of a previous night's feast.
1: This sounds like you on a good day. That is basically you. <laughs>
0: some witnesses describe a tall figure with a hideous countenance. All remark upon the eyes, which burned like hot coals in a face so frightening it paralysed them in its tracks. There was also the unbearably fetid stench that accompanied this presence, rank with corruption and the stench of the charnel, which indicated an undead rather than an apparition. So he'd been very scientific about I've it, which very is good. To. Yeah. The last moments, some of which were captured by a 35 millimetre camera, Reveal the same burning, fierce eyes beneath black, furrowed brows, staring with hellish reflection. Yellow at the edges with blood-red centres, unlike anything imaginable. Flared nostrils connected to a thin, high-bridged nose. The mouth still set in its cruel expression with lips drawn back, as if unable to contain the sharp,
1: white teeth. I have to say, when you say um, unlike anything imaginable, it sounds an awful lot exactly how I would imagine a vampire to look.
0: It is basically the cardboard cutout is that any vampire. It's, it's well ever. written.
1: It's well written.
0: I mean it's written. I'll give you that.
1: I'm um, I'm actually just looking for some of this uh, David Farrant's pictures and, and uh he does look Oh no this for is Manchester who's oh, it's Manchester. alleges
0: the picture of for... the uh, the vampire. Oh I I oh, don't get them mixed
1: up. I, I'm a bit mixed up. I'm also apologising because... Uh, on David Fowler's page there is a Titbits Confessions of a Belly Dancer yeah there's a magazine Mm. called Titbits yeah and I wouldn't look at that kind of thing either because that would be no I mean has that just come up in your search history by any chance (laughs) no garlic in bags of salt and Mm. in the end it was a clove of garlic that killed him this is uh, go on this is this is fascinating because there's two people isn't this just competition between two um, gentlemen who enjoy looking at this sort of thing well, you're gonna tit-bit, tell so Titbits, that- The Confessions of a Belly no, 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 no. Moving back from Titbits. So that was Manchester, yeah? I think you're now going to tell me that Ferent's got a similar uh, description of a similar encounter. No, I,
0: uh, not quite, well, but, but we, uh, we'll we get there. So oh. Manchester yeah. actually claims to have killed the vampire. Of course he did. Claiming he performed an exorcism and arranged for the tomb to be sealed with garlic infused concrete. It's not something you get from the builders' merchants what every day. It? Or from most cookery shops. <laughs> Just sprinkle a bit of garlic into the mm. mix. Uh, The vampire re-emerged, however, with Manchester eventually tracking it down to Crouch End, where he finally staked, beheaded, and incinerated the creature.
1: On camera? This is all caught? No, of course, only a couple
0: of pictures were caught, and I believe they're in the book. They're not very readily attainable otherwise. Uh, They're not terribly convincing. You have to pay for the book. Yeah, don't. Now, if all of this sounds rather like a prominent tale of vampirism, the single most well-known, adapted, disseminated, discussed and analysed tale of vampirism, then you might be right. I think he read Dracula,
1: got a bit excited, and made his own version. Which, to be fair, is quite enjoyable. It is, and I'm so glad you said that, because then he can (laughs) sue you, and I have no part in that. But it does sound a lot like every uh, Dracula film that I've Mm. seen or book I've read.
0: Well, to be fair, there are some differences, which suggest perhaps it wasn't just taken from life and might be real. It
1: might be, because most of them I've seen don't live in London cemeteries. Or Crouch End. Or Crouch End,
0: But there is a part when Louisa, who'd become a vampire herself, naturally, uh, turns into a giant spider. Right. That's new. Hmm. Because you get bats and wolves and mist. I've never heard a a vampire turning into a spider.
1: Why? Does it say why she turned into a spider?
0: Um, She just does. I think she turns back after he kills the vampire.
1: Okay. Can we do an interview with her? Can we meet her, mate? Is she still around, maybe? Or I
0: have literally it... no idea. Yeah. Probably because I'm not entirely sure she ever actually existed. Oh, know you're just casting aspersions and assertions. Sorry, 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 Mr. Manchester. Actually, that, even that title's incorrect, as we'll come to in a few moments. Oh, go on. Now, obviously, that's Sean Manchester's version. Yeah. Uh, Farrant has his own tale, laden with considerably more woe, but indeed documentary evidence of his own efforts to track the entity plaguing Highgate. In August 1970, Farrant and the other members of the BPOS conducted another overnight vigil at Hampstead in an attempt to make contact with the Spectre. They hoped to conduct a magical ritual to discover the nature of the Spectre and its intentions. According to Farrant, things went rather wrong. Whilst preparing for the ritual, they were interrupted by the police.
1: Oh, pesky police.
0: Farrant was arrested for entering Highgate Cemetery for an unlawful purpose.
1: (laughs) That's a crime? Uh, and entering a cemetery entering for a unlawful, cemetery unlawful purpose.
0: See, if I read that, just the charge, I would make a rather educated guess at what that a lawful purpose yeah, might so be. Yeah, so I, and it wouldn't be that one. <laughs> <laughs> the prosecution claiming that Farrant had entered with a cross and stake in a hunt for a vampire, although he was acquitted at court the next day. I've actually just no idea what to do with it.
1: Yeah, well, yeah you would have. Well, if you were... uh next day, something's been a JP, a judge, uh, no, magistrate rather than a court, rather than a... Um, yeah. I presume so. What's it called? Trial? Uh, Jury, that's the word. Mm. Maybe the magistrate was also an occultist. And or a vampire was, hunter. Or a vampire in this conspiracy. Mm-hmm. How many judges are vampires? That is a freedom of information. And the write.
0: magistrate has to go undercover sure. into the legal profession
1: yeah, exactly.
0: to drive a stake through all their hearts. Yeah. Mm.
1: Yeah. I'd pay to watch that. There's an ITV miniseries there, there? as <laughs> well. What, um, what would you call it? Hold on, I'm trying to think of something witty to do with courts, laws, and blood, state, and vampires. Laws, state out, stake out. Stake. Stake. Out. Yeah. I'll get back to you on that one. I'll think of it. Mm. Put your comments below if you can think of anything.
0: Uh, any good. witty legal dramas picturing vampires. That. Yeah. Well, legal dramas are quite
1: popular and vampires yeah, are, are quite they popular. Yeah,
0: vampires are Put both together. Vampire lawyer. Right.
1: <laughs> Sorry, getting clear sidetracked <laughs> again. Good. So he was arrested. Arrested but acquitted. Arrested
0: but acquitted. His trouble with the law, however, was far from over. Two years later, he was arrested for trying to communicate with the ghost of a 17th century pirate buried in Monk and Hadley Churchyard in North London. That's not
1: arrestable, surely?
0: Well, I think it's what he did in the course of trying to contact the ghostly pirate, okay. because he admitted to painting a magical circle on the ground by the pirate's grave. He was charged for contravening the Ecclesiastical Indecency Act and fined £10
1: that's even more that's brilliant fine £10
0: for contravening the Ecclesiastical Indecency Act you know how much it act?
1: Took, cost them to take him to court to get that £10 open.
0: well it was this is in the 70s for so £10 was worth more than
1: yeah but not that much more no I suppose that's brilliant £10 and uh, the Ecclesiastical What Act? Ecclesiastical Indecency Act so if you sort of strip naked and paint yourself purple in the high street that's just indecency but if you do it in a churchyard that's the Ecclesiastical Indecency oh, Act ex- I expect so I think you should try it and find out
0: how much will you pay me £10? Well, I'll pay you £10, yeah, I'll pay you fees. He was arrested again in 1973 whilst conducting a ritual at a house in Crouch End intended to summon the nature god Pan. He was charged with arson due to the presence of a small fire he had built. All of these cases were covered with reference to his now-notorious past as the Highgate Vampire Hunter. However, it was not only the legal authorities that were after Farrant. His rivalry with Manchester had developed into something a little more aggressive, with Manchester challenging Ferrant to numerous public magical duels none of which ever sadly came to pass. Imagine the sight of these two adult men duelling with magic in the high street. Uh, And they put up adverts uh, around the town advertising the intended duels. I'm gonna read out one of these uh, ones for you. A personal vendetta over the years becomes a duel to the death between Manchester, Grandmaster of the occult, and Farrant, High Priest of witchcraft. Locked in murderous absurdity, Britain's most infamous magicians intend to resolve their feud to the death at Queenswood Highgate. 18th of August, 1978. Did you go? No, uh, and they never actually both turned up at the oh, same time in oh, jewels. It was rather unfortunate. I've
1: not seen a good jewel for ages. It's not a magical one as well. Not a magical one. Well, yeah, uh, in the Harry Potter films, they have ah, a few magical jewels. I imagine
0: it'd be slightly less exciting. Than would them, it? Them. Mm. In 1973, the Hornsey Journal ran a headline claiming that Farrant had declared he would sacrifice a cat on Halloween. <laughs> An acquaintance of Farrant, blue singer Long John Baldry, became convinced that Farrant had stolen his cat for this sinister purpose, with the national press reporting that Farrant had murdered the hapless singer's pet for an occult purpose. This featured in one of the two libel trials brought by Farrant against the News of the World and then the Daily Express in relation to press coverage
1: he received. You idiot. <laughs> You've done a case on somebody that has a history of, of bringing Illegal libel action, Yeah, he's not the only one.
0: In one of these trials, Baldry apparently admitted that the cat had come back and therefore could not have been <laughs>
1: sacrificed. <laughs> come back from the dead I mean, that's a a like. he killed it and it came back from the dead an undead cat yeah. mm. he turned my cat into a vampire that's a headline
0: that's the Freddy Star ate my hamster it of is, the yeah. moment isn't it nevertheless Farrant lost at least one of these trials and was left with considerable costs to meet Farrant had also run out of luck in the criminal court in 1974 police discovered a headless corpse propped in the front seat of a car and connected it to him Although the real practical joker behind the corpse sheepishly came forward and claimed credit, photos of vandalised graves were found in Farrant's possession,
1: as well as a firearm. This gets better. So he has a history of suing people and owns a firearm.
0: I don't think you need to be worried. I think he's uh, an older gentleman now. We could take him.
1: You you could take him. Let's be honest, it's not the first time you've taken an older gentleman, is it? <laughs> uh,
0: he was charged with damaging memorials, interference with the remains, stealing a sheep from Barnet Hospital... <laughs> A what? Stealing a sheet from hospital. I said a sheep. <laughs> what would a sheep be doing <laughs> I in a don't, hospital? No, but why would you steal it? Well, probably for the same reason he entered the graveyard for an unlawful purpose.
1: Yeah, I suggest he, yeah, this beheaded uh, bit, uh, this body without the head, mm. headless torso, put in his car as a of joke. Where did that come from? Uh, Some other someone else admitted that they did it. it has nothing to do with him. Well, but in the course of
0: searching his house, probably the hospital. Hilarious. Okay. Mm. Yep. Yeah. He was charged with damaging memorials, interference with remains, stealing a sheep from Barnett Hospital and threatening the police. The threat stemmed from Farrant having sent two police officers voodoo effigies, with notes stating, those that harm the initiated will become a victim of their own intentions. Farrant signed the notes and sent them via recorded delivery. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but his return address on the label uh, yep. the label yeah, well. oh, well, that's good.
0: Farrant claimed this is in response to a friend having been beaten by the two police officers in question. He was sentenced to four years, eight months imprisonment for the threats and criminal damage, and fined for possession of the firearm and acquitted of other charges. So I suspect the firearm was deactivated.
1: Yeah, but hold on, I was just thinking that. So I've got more chance of being jailed for sending a voodoo doll to a police officer than I have of carrying a gun.
0: Uh, well, no, the gun was only at his home address,
1: he wasn't out oh, in okay, public with okay. it. Oh, okay. But owning illegal. illegally owning a gun. Great. Yeah. Okay.
0: He was released after two years and six months. His fellow prisoners found him a bit odd, with one requesting an exorcism to rid him of the evil powers of David Farrant. Wow. Meanwhile, Sean Manchester became a bishop in the Old Catholic Church. You're joking me. The Old Catholic Church split from the Roman Catholic Church in the 1870s because they disagreed with Vatican I with regards to the dogma of papal infallibility. But it pertains particularly to certain papal pronouncements such as the canonization of saints frankly the old catholic church seem a bit more liberal in some ways or at least more open minded than the roman catholic church has been seen to be in previous years now i'm not sure how you check if someone's actually a bishop in the old catholic church you uh, a lift up their frock <laughs> <laughs> and and what do you find Deprox them.
1: (laughs) I don't know. How do you
0: check your bishop? (laughs) Well, I don't think there's a register in the same way there is for the Catholic Church. Now, he certainly makes some interesting claims, such as having to have infiltrated a loathsome cult of Satanists and being a direct descendant of Lord Byron. So you could suggest he's not necessarily the most reliable person. However, he has also complained of unfair treatment in the media, which settles part of this question. In 2002, Manchester complained twice to Ofcom that he wasn't taken seriously as a bishop, in two radio interviews, Ofcom found in his favour, therefore finding he was, in fact, a bishop. Now, he was less lucky in 2006. The complaint was in respect of a documentary on Channel 4 called 101 Things to Do When You're Dead, which covered the Highgate vampire case. Manchester, as well as the other Highgate vampire hunters, were referred to as being 1970s weirdos. Ofcom, who were handling the complaint, had this to say. The description of Bishop Manchester as a 1970s weirdo was justified. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's a bit well, that's really
0: weird they, so they agreed he was a weirdo yes the events the... referred to in the programme had taken place between 1970 and 74 and the dictionary definition weird meaning suggestive or relating to the supernatural or strange or bizarre in view of Bishop Manchester's involvement in this vampire hunt the description of him being weird was justified Is that what weirdo
1: weirdo actually has a relation uh, apparently so related to the I didn't know that wow so I can officially say you're a bit weird Well, we are both a bit weird by virtue of doing anything to do with this podcast. I'm normal.
0: Manchester also complained that the programme stated falsely that he had broken into a tomb and beheaded a corpse, an action that would be a criminal offence. The programme said he had performed a spoken exorcism and when that didn't work, broke into some poor sod's tomb and beheaded him. Bishop Manchester said that a corpse beheaded at Highgate Cemetery in 1970 uh, was the work of black satanic devotees. He had never claimed to beheaded a corpse in Highgate Cemetery or any other consecrated ground, nor had it been claimed elsewhere until the Channel 4 programme that he had done so. Channel 4 responded by saying, material on Bishop Manchester's website and in his book The Highgate Vampire clearly implied that he staked, beheaded and incinerated the corpse he thought was the Highgate Vampire.
1: You told me that, didn't you? Yeah,
0: he does say he does. Uh, Manchester's response was that he had always denied decapitating a corpse and that it
1: wasn't an actual corpse in a natural graveyard. Right, okay, so does it matter if you... So it wasn't a corpse, so it was a live person. This gets worse. <laughs> and it wasn't in a graveyard, apparently. Oh, that's or an okay actual then. graveyard. So he murdered somebody, but not in an actual graveyard. I very much doubt that's what he intended to mean. But
0: uh, it's the whole confluence of secrets and lies and befuddlement that characterises this utter nonsense. Befuddlement is a good word. Like I'm glad you liked it. it. Yeah, I do. Farrant and Manchester have continued swiping each other over the years. Farrant produces a series of webcomics with accompanying T-shirts, mugs and other merchandise called The Adventures of Bishop Bonkers.
1: So a guy who's Objected to being Called a weirdo Markets himself As Bishop Bonkers
0: No no Farron oh. produces A series of web targeted At Mr Manchester Oh I see Bishop, Bishop Manchester,
1: Manchester. It's, it's very confusing There's only two of them I get confused
0: Well I think that's Exactly right Because one of the, On the surface of it Sean Manchester Seems like the mad one Who claims
1: that He, he staked a vampire cut its head off Etc And then says It wasn't an actual Vampire wasn't an actual Corpse in the Actual graveyard Yeah waller, yeah. Whatever
0: Whereas David Farrant says, oh, it was a ghost or supernatural entity. Any talk of being vampire or vampiric is not right. Uh, and characterising Manchester basically as mad. However, I suspect the two are much closer than that. And I actually suspect it's a bit of a friendship gone sour. I think they both drummed up all this nonsense about the vampire in the 70s. Oh,
1: possibly.
0: Uh, one's ran with it and produced a book about him incinerating the vampire, whereas Zofran Parents tried to withdraw away from it, apart from when he wants to get the publicity over something that he's doing, and then he's quite happy to bring up the vampire hunting. There is another possibility.
1: Mm-hmm. In the 60s, 70s, <laughs> <laughs> you know where <laughs> this is going. Yeah. In the 60s and 70s, there were quite a lot of new uh, psychotic substances that were being mm-hmm. tested and enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah? So maybe, I'm not suggesting that either of these two gentlemen have ever used illegal drugs, but they were probably off the faces, weren't they? Possibly, not I, probably. Possibly, I, possibly. Potentially. Maybe. They could have been. Are you setting yourself
0: up to have plausible deniability for these statements? Yes, I'm trying to get you to say yes, <laughs> and then you, you look guilty. I couldn't possibly comment. <sighs> anyway, the two also have odd links to far-right activity.
1: Oh, God, this gets better. <laughs> they sue people, they've got guns, they behead people, and now it turns out that they're both members of a far-right extremist group. <laughs> In 2012, a
0: former friend of Manchester named Kevin Chessum published photos of a room in Manchester's home, which he described as a massed amount of Nazi paraphernalia, framed photographs of goose-stepping Nazis and German officers giving the Hitler salute, swastikas on walls, and most strikingly, a photograph of Adolf Hitler. It's the second time Hitler's come up in this podcast, and certainly not the last, I suspect. A former friend of Manchester, Chessum says he was photographed in the room by the bishop's wife as a form of blackmail insurance. Manchester has issued a counterblog, claiming that he has a historical militia collection. Hobby, and that has been misinterpreted. Telling me, okay. this guy Chesham, who's leaked this photograph, is also friends with Farron. Okay. So it's a very small incestuous group of people. We have to go back in time a bit more for Farron. In 1978, he declared his intention to stand in the Hornsey constituency in the general election for the Wicker Workers' Party. Now, that's Wicker as in witchcraft, not Wicker as in Wicker oh, Baskets. Yeah. The original platform of the WWP was one, restore the Wic- Wiccan Creed. Two, leave the common market and control immigration. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, this is all too to, dance? Dance to home. Yeah.
0: Three, outlaw communism in the UK. Four, free sex and nudity. Now, I don't know if that means free sex and nudity is in get some free sex and nudity, or free sex and nudity is in it's somehow constrained and we need to free it. I think we should. You're basically signed up to this guy already, are not you? I am, yeah. Five, legalised prostitution and established state brothels. Six, end church hypocrisy. Seven, ban Semitic ritual slaughter of British animals. Eight, make wicker a state religion. Nine, ban Freemasonry. And ten, restore power to the monarchy. There's a very strange little crossover between the far right and these sort of dotty little occult circles. And he he's, he's stated his close
1: His words, not mine. Dotty little occult circles.
0: <laughs> the party used symbols redundant of the Nazi imperial eagle and Odel rune, also enjoyed by neo-Nazi groups and all all that information I got off Stormfront which is a massive far right website Uh, and they were rather approving uh, of his platform so both Farrant and Manchester remain active but most of their presence which is considerable and exhausting is online uh, and most of it is about the Highgate vampire Manchester still sells his sub Dracula nonsense whilst Farrant declares the whole vampire angle was nonsense and the entity in Highgate was a spiritual entity such as a ghost in fact he outlines his thoughts in no uncertain terms on his website 1. David Farrant believes that an unexplained phenomena does manifest at Highgate Cemetery, and yes, he did see it himself once, in 1969. 2. David Farrant does not believe in vampires. Full stop. 3. David Farrant has no interest in online spite, argument, stalking, or petty behaviour. Life is too short, and there are too many mysteries to debate and unravel which have greater significance. Good. So we can say what we like about him. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck you, Farrant. (laughs) 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 4. Four, David Farrant is interested in hearing from people who believe that they have experienced paranormal phenomena. So you will qualify with your man in the hat? Yeah, I would, yeah. Or have theories which could help identify the nature of the Highgate entity. In addition, according to Farrant, rumour has it that Highgate Cemetery was built on the site of an old castle and is located on a ley line. He attributes the spectral activity to this. However... Despite all his uh, denials of believing in vampires, as recently as 2012, in a video he uploaded to YouTube titled In Search of the Highgate Vampire, he calls it a vampire. (laughs) (laughs) When retelling his tale of encountering the figure he initially believed to be a prankster, he specifically says they were thought they were dressed as a
1: vampire. That's not what you said right at the beginning. You said it was a large...
0: No, but that's what he says in this video, that he thinks they were dressed as a vampire. Right.
1: This this just goes to show that it's very difficult to uh, tie these sorts of people down to a uh, consistent story. Indeed.
0: And just to finish off our tale of these two Go on. fine gentlemen. In 2012, Varrant declared his intentions to turn the alleged site of Robin Hood's grave, where he claims to have exercised evil spirits years earlier, into a paranormal tourist attraction. From Thank the you. Dewsbury Reporter. David Farrant, president of the British Psychic and Occult Society, has announced is in talk with investors who want to make Robin Hood's grave a haunt for fans of the legendary outlaw. The site is within the Kirklees estate, currently up for sale with Strutton Parker for £7 million. He said, The special place the tomb holds in the heart of many local people is heartened by tales of ghostly sightings and chilling experiences from those who have made the pilgrimage to the grave, defying the various brambles, dense canopies of twisted trees and watchful gamekeepers and guard dogs. Mr Farrant said in 2005 that he and exorcist Gareth Medway, he's the chap who that Satan's Nism book that we quoted earlier, oh, yeah, yeah. <coughs> conducted a twilight exorcism of the grave, and that since then he had received hundreds of letters from Robin Hood fans eager to hold their own vigils. He said the group wanted to lease the area within the estate where the grave lay, and if successful, wanted to provide safe access to it. He added, it's time to put the Yorkshire Robin Hood on the map. Mr Farrant said ideas for the site included a better access road, a rustic guest house, a working local history museum, and offices. Claire Whitfield from Agent Stratton Parker said, no offer has been accepted to date. We're not in discussion with Mr Farron or anyone else from his organisation. Oh. And that ends our tale of two very, very strange men.
1: Yeah. Look forward to both of them suing us at some point. But <laughs> So what? Yeah, what's going on there? You've got two people who in the 70s took far too many drugs, alcohol, or needs to make a name for themselves. Mm, I suspect the last was probably yeah. the real reason. Yeah. I am too cynical. Or, or possibly... There is a vampire alive and well, hanging around Highgate. Unless your Manchester killed it. No, after which no, because he's already said he definitely didn't <laughs> kill an actual vampire person in an actual or other non-actual cemetery. Who, Who knows, knows the else? truth? Uh, well, I suspect that David and uh, Sean know the truth, but balls I'll, in your court, boys. Keep an open mind.
0: So ends our fourth episode on The Highgate Vampire. I hope you enjoyed it. Sorry for the slightly extended uh, festive delay from some technical difficulties that we had. Uh, Just a word about sources. Uh, Our main sources, of course, are the books by the two principals in this case, In the Shadow of the Highgate Vampire by David Ferrant and The Highgate Vampire, The Infernal World of the Undead, Unearthed at London's Highgate Cemetery in Enverance by Sean Manchester. It was also greatly assisted by Don Eckers' 2010 report into the case. Andrew Goff's interview with David Farrant from 2009 on andrewgoff.co.uk and Christian Swale's article in 2014 from Mysterious Times. Lastly I was also greatly assisted by articles on Rational Wiki, Wikipedia and to my internal regret Encyclopedia Dramatica. Have a good time everyone, goodbye.